0: Welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge, the podcast where two developers talk about code and things every sometimes week. Laundry, and sometimes laundry. I'm your host Caleb Porzio. I am your other one, Daniel Coburn. Howdy, duty, Daniel.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you duty? I duty well. Good. How do how do the duty?
0: i i do i too do d well
1: yes um Um, how are the things
0: in the world this this is like uh do you off do you watch the office i've asked you that a bunch of times Uh uh-huh you know when like michael scott and um that girl that he really likes yep the blonde one yep they're like soulmates oh they get well i won't spoil the office for anyone please Um, don't you know how like they every time they uh sally molly what's her name i don't know okay but anyway i don't watch the office like
1: (laughs) like i think you watch okay yeah you probably
0: don't i like but every time they like interact they both start saying weird things and it starts off like fine but they both take it too far and then it dies and that's what Uh we just did we just did mike michael and holly okay cool
1: how are you on this fine day I am good on this fine day. How are you on this fine day? I'm well. I am well very, very good. um people liked people liked the coin flipping thing yeah, and uh someone came and explained probability to us in math terms <laughs> on Twitter, which I appreciated
0: that's true. What's his name the
1: person? Oh hold on, let me
0: it's... find it i I wrote it down somewhere. I was like we're gonna be recording if i am a good boy nice i put it in the notes andrew mason uh, yeah nice <laughs> i put it in the notes of the calendar event for recording nptm oh Isn't, look at you. i know right i was like i'm gonna forget this so shout out to andrew mason for teaching us how math works yeah yeah it was pretty legit he, he was, was like, all right, so here, here's the deal. It's exactly yeah. what we asked for. We're like, if anybody knows things. So the long story short is that he confirmed what we suspected to be true. Yes. That, and uh, he
1: also used the word asymptotically, which I also used on the podcast, which I was He very got proud. it from you. He's probably never heard that before. Yeah, he's never heard Definitely. it. Definitely.
0: Definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's pretty awesome. So he confirmed that it is better to ship early and often. Now, the question is does that mean that it's better to use feature flags catch up for the listener feature toggles Ooh, that's a feature very good flag. question yeah that just kind of popped in um feature flags feature toggles for the listener is this practice where you let's say you you want it they say you need to develop this new feature and so as you develop it you yep. put it in a conditional that's set in yep. your env file like let's say new feature is on, and you set it to true, and then you have conditionals throughout the code that make that feature on. But then in production, the feature's false. So you can ship to production while you're working on a feature that's not done yet. And then when it's yep. done, you turn the feature flag off, you remove the conditionals in a perfect world, and there's almost no risk because it's been in production, you know, or there's less risk because it's been in production all along. Um, yep. So that's feature toggles.
1: What would... It's also nice because you... Um you think early on that you're going to have to write a million if statements and on super heady refactors you do have to write a million if statements but for most features you just have to like if a route yeah right if it's siloed enough then yeah and you can just leave it alone
0: yeah yeah so that that's probably something to consider like so it's better to ship early and often but if you're you know if you're making a change to code that has its tentacles like if you're making a change to code that's already well established and the changes in a bunch of different places and your feature flags are everywhere, there's probably another level of cost and risk to having all that, you know, extra.
1: So I recently was on a project um, and on that project with me were Sarah Bine and someone else. I think it might have been Samantha while well, Samantha was still a Titan. And I said, let's use feature flags, because this is just the type of place where you would use them. Uh, We've got a bunch of features to do, but we've got to keep things working in the meantime. And, you know, it just seemed like a good candidate for feature flagginess. Yeah. Uh, So I suggested it, and people listened to me. And we did it for exactly two days until it ruined everything and we had to rip it all out.
0: (laughs) Ah, all right. Tell, tell me why, what,
1: what was the actual thing that ruined? I think I didn't either. I didn't explain it well enough or I didn't actually understand it as well as I thought I did. It had been several, it had been a long time since I had done it. Um, I, uh, the only time I've done it is on that one project that you and I both worked on. Um, At various times Mm -hmm. that used feature flags yep um and it worked it seemed to work perfectly and make perfect sense in that context yeah um and i don't know whether i was missing an implementation detail or whether i did a bad job explaining it uh do you remember the tangible concrete problem like what
0: what broke like what when did it turn Um, into an issue
1: I don't remember. Hmm. I think it just got too annoying. Okay. Like, I think a refactor was too deep. Okay. You know, and it was like, what do we do? We have to replace this method with this other met. Like, how many if statements are we going to make here?
0: Yeah. Type yeah. of
1: a situation. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I definitely don't think... Uh, I've never really done Trunk Flow. Catch up the listener who doesn't know what Trunk Flow is. Git Flow is like the typical feature branch...
1: Develop branch.
0: Yeah, right. The pretty typical for most projects I've been on, most times it's Git flow. Your features are in a feature branch, they're QA, they're merged into develop, develops merged into master, you ship it. Um, or you pull out, I guess technically RC branches. But um, get, get trunk flow is you have one branch, master, and you merge to master every day, and you deploy every day, and everything's behind feature flags. So everybody's working on a real live copy of the production code base, which is bonkers when you first hear about it, but there's smart people who advocate for it pretty, pretty heartily. So yeah. And as long as you actually do the feature flags, well, it's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Having that's something I'm sure their tools exist for to sort of aid with that. I mean, it's, it's just a process thing, but, um, but that is definitely one of those low hanging fruits for like a simple little Laravel package that is like, keeps all your feature flags, centrally managed and um i don't know
1: yeah i'm sure what it exists could it, what could that f- package do that
0: right so it's it's one of those packages that, that it, already it could literally give you a facade that's like i bet it's one of those fun ones i'd be like ooh i'd like to make a little package for this because it would you know basically just codify the very simple pattern of conditionals on um Conditionals on ENV variables. But when you're using. What ENV... was your pattern?
1: What were you typing? Because I was typing if config oh, yeah, feature dot name, comma, false. Yeah, same. I had a yeah, features dot PHP config file that
0: yep. pointed to ENV variables. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's but, what I did too. Yeah. I liked it. There's probably something like, I don't know, even if you. I bet there's cool Laravel specific things. Like, let's say the facade is called feature.
1: I know. I know. I now remember what project it was, and I remember how it failed.
0: All right, give it to me.
1: Um, the I can't tell you what project it was. Uh, the <laughs> give, give us um, the client name, please. The, it was a project that you worked on. Yeah. Um, at at one point, I think, and Samantha also worked on it. Uh, yeah. Well, what's What's Give me the story. Anyway the um the situation was that um was that we wrote too many feature flags for what turned out to be should have been one feature ah that was enabled all at once and we thought we could enable it piecemeal Mm -hmm. and we couldn't Mm -hmm. and it became a problem so we had to rip them out and then we just i had failed my attempt to convince people that feature flags were good (laughs) so we didn't go back uh that's what happened so there was something where it was like we needed to roll out a couple of things. Like one was like a new table of rates and another one was like a new like method of calculating things with the rates. And another one was like a bunch of code that added stuff to the rates. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, it was like, oh, we can pretty sure we can do these one at a time or whatever but then as we got into it, it it became obvious that we couldn't and so then to enable certain code like now we have all this code on this branch on this main branch yeah so to get access to some of it like we had to go back and like unfeature flag certain things or reflag them as different features and yeah. it was hard to figure out what could safely be reflagged and couldn't yep so it's the whole thing
0: nice um two random thoughts for you yes two random thoughts and then i do have a topic cool or another random. i love a topic uh thought number one um so i tweeted out i I was using push silver david hemphill's invoicing software oh his form his comma form yeah yeah so on the invoice or when you're adding a client or whatever you can add email i think it's when you're on the invoice and you want to specify emails addresses to send the invoice to yep uh there's placeholder text or maybe the label's like emails and then the placeholder tech is like text it's like comma separated i don't know but it, it just shows like an email with a comma and another email and it's very clear and you instantly like you wouldn't even notice it but i just took a second and thought dang this is so nice why is this so nice because i think if if picture the meeting here's the hypothetical uh-huh we're in sprint planning Oh, we need uh, we need to add the ability to send emails to multiple users. Uh, okay, give me a give me a point value on that. Well, we're going to have to change it in the back end. So we're going to have to change the relationship to a has many. So we'll put the emails in a separate table for normalization. And then in the UI, we're going to have to make a component that you can add, you know, n number of emails. Um, and that's going to take a little bit. So I call it an eight, you know, and then it's like, all right, well, it takes that person the whole week. And they end up like deep down in Vue land trying to make
1: this this component where you can add multiple emails. But but not to mention they're blocked by like a sys admin somewhere to even add the table. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally.
0: Yes. Right. So so there's that scenario. And I think that is I'll call that the default um, the default developer scenario, if you're not employing the rules of like Yagni and getting real and stuff like
1: this, this is just like, here's You've been saying Yagni more recently. I just like to call that out okay. in case the listener hasn't noticed. You say Yagni every time I talk to you. Really? Anyway, continue. Wow. Um, I don't feel like I say Yagni every
0: time, but I'll, wow. I'll keep my, keep my ear up. Uh, for the listener you ain't going going you you aren't going to need it or you ain't gonna need it you you pick your you pick which one you want um yeah so that that to me see am i right in saying that that's like that that's the hundred percent you know the 80 20 rule that that's the hundred percent that's the like we need this feature here's how we can do it perfectly then yep. there's David Hennel. And then each
1: of those fields is email validated. And <laughs> yeah. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Right? Like, yes. It's and all it comes great. back in an array. Um, yeah. And it tells you which one was an invalid email. And...
0: Right. Yes. Right, right, right. And then the validation message you send back to the front end, but you want it attached to the specific field.
1: The specific right? input. So you right? have to have yeah. like indexes. So you have to pass all the emails back in order so that you can re-render those fields.
0: Right. So, yeah, so that's perfect. Thank you for adding another level Uh of ridiculousness to this task. So there's David Hempill who goes, well, why don't we just have a text field where you can comma separate them and then I'll parse them in the back end, plain and simple, (laughs) like just explode by comma, you know, um, Uh and then trim white space off off both ends after you explode. And then you can write your own little validator. Um, And when you send the validation message back, you know maybe just make it simple say one of the emails is invalid or maybe say email blank is invalid and and write out the actual email and the validation message so you have one place for validation you have one field you don't have to change anything in the database you're just change- yep. maybe you can add an accessor on the model that does the exploding for you um, and a mutator that that does the imploding and a mutator that does the mutator that does the exploding i don't know whatever you get the idea yep. um so that, I mean, it's just one of those beautiful moments where I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, this guy just took a week of work and turned it into half a day or less, you know? Yeah. And total. that is everything I love about programming right there yep. in that it field. It was sick.
1: It was sick. <laughs> right? Liked it.
0: So I, I, I kind of had my eye out for other things like that. And here's another one I thought of, and I'm interested to hear if you have any. um, Somebody uh, sent me a tweet said Caleb Porzio at Caleb Porzio will LiveWire be um, will LiveWire be open source? Uh, And I said yeah boy. And he started his tweet with a period. So it said period at Caleb Porzio. Why did he do that? He did that because if anyone doesn't know He
1: wanted others to see.
0: Yeah. if If you just do if you start a tweet with an at Twitter thinks it's a reply and Twitter will treat it as a reply. And when the person views it It'll show up as a reply, but there'll be no initial tweet. Like you can't scroll up to the tweet that it was a reply to because it doesn't. It exist. feels
1: more like a design decision than like a mistakenly thinking it's a reply. Like I think Twitter is like people don't want to see conversations between two people as like their main Twitter feed. So I think Twitter just says like, well, if it starts with an at, it's probably just like. This person has their DMs closed, and so this person's just trying to get a hold of them.
0: Interesting. That's possible. for For my example, let's pretend. Okay. That's not the case, and it's just that Twitter was in a meeting. You know, mm-hmm. Twitter. You know, and uh, they're in a meeting, and and the sprint planning goes something like this: We need to add to tweet replies system. Okay. Well, why don't we just detect if there's an at in the beginning and treat that as a reply? No, but then what if somebody tries to, you know, just at someone Then it's going to be treated as as a reply? Right. We'll have to set up and then then ensues the next two weeks of, oh, well, then we need to have this system and this table. And this isn't actually a tweet. It's a reply and they're treated differently. And then there's different like layouts for replies and there's different every, you know, replies are a whole new entity that are treated totally differently. Right. Yep. Where they're just like, you know what? People will figure it out and they'll just start adding periods if they don't want it to look that way, you know? Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's one of those beautiful things that it's more things that like, are the same,
1: you know? And Twitter, Twitter has always had this ethos about it. That was like, you're forced to think about what you're writing, you know? And so the, the UX of, of Twitter saying, think about it a little bit and like maybe start your sentence with, Hey, comma, instead of, just adding someone interesting, like it feels kind of on brand for old Twitter, you know. Of like, yeah, just like think a little harder before you tweet. That's possible. I
0: I think that it, it feels more on brand to me because Twitter feels like like how people describe React, like a core set of a core set of features. Yeah, that you know the community will mix and match, and they're not going to say. Oh, users have been adding periods. That's a feature request. We need to have a new system for that. You know, it's like... Right, right It's right. an idiom within Twitter as a system, you know.
1: And that that just feels... It's true, except that now Twitter has all of those. Has all of what? So Twitter does have, like, threading Threads and, stuff, and yeah. the concept of replies. And right. you can even, even at people without adding them now. Okay. Like... People are added to threads without their actual at handle being in the message of the tweet gotcha. now. Um, so Twitter has like, from this naked robotic core of text with ats and hashes in it, has like expanded to like have all of this right. metadata associated with tweets that isn't generated by the text. But people kind of ignore it with the right. exception of threads.
0: It feels, it still feels like native, like it. I don't feel like all of that, you know, at and hashtag driven, at hashtag text driven interface is yeah. taken away. Yeah. Uh,
1: this is one of my favorite things about, like, social, I think, is that, like, people who aren't like me and aren't programmers and engineers and stuff. Uh, not that I'm an engineer. Ooh. You're an I'll engineer. A second. Nope. Uh, okay daniel has
0: opinions on
1: this (laughs) um but uh they they use these things every day right and they become familiar with the business logic without thinking about it as business logic yeah right so stuff like that like you know the person who put a dot in front of it probably wasn't a programmer just sure. like by the numbers the first person to come up with that solution, yeah right right yes was probably like like a home chef who tweets recipes <laughs> you know yeah but there's something about like these big platforms where like people are really driven to like use them well that people like like, I really like the idea that, like, there's kind of, like, this abstraction of business logic going on. And sometimes people get the wrong abstraction, and that's funny, Um because, like, the wrong abstraction can, like, live on in, like, the popular lore for a long time. Like... Uh, I'm not following. You, are you familiar with the idea of shadow banning? No. So shadow banning is something that at least Reddit and Twitter do, um, where rather than banning a user because if you ban someone they'll probably just go make another account and keep doing the same thing okay so shadow banning is you don't ban them it's just no one else can see what they're doing oh they have
0: no idea yeah and so they have no idea that they've been shadow banned (laughs) and so they keep doing
1: their trolley activity (laughs) on the account that we know about so that we don't have to go track them down again um anyway for a long time uh there was a point where reddit started sh- shadow banning people but for a long time people said that they were getting shadow banned but it was just because they were posting things that weren't getting upvoted oh right and so there's like there's this thing where it's like that now that the business logic has like entered the brain it, like this this meme of like how the app works or how the system works yeah has entered the brains of the users yeah um and for a long time it was the wrong metaphor, right? Or just, I guess metaphor isn't even the right metaphor. Um, but uh, it was the wrong conception of the business logic. But it like just spread like a virus through the minds of other people. Hmm. And it's so cool that like when people do grok the business logic, it just spreads. Yeah, you know, and like, pe- like no one is explaining. Like I feel like people aren't explaining the dot to people. Yeah, like, I right. Think people. That was never um, explained to me. Yeah. Yeah. You just get it. Yeah. And I don't know why. It's such a simple, beautiful little yeah, like, you're right. piece of crowd wisdom. Who knows who the first person in the world to put the dot there was? But someone saw that first tweet with the dot in it and was like, that's it, smart. It, yep. I'm going to do that. Then it just and spread. Then it just blew up. And I love when, like, that is beautiful. Complex. Like, they don't know, like, that there's, like, a big uh there's a big controller method somewhere that decides whether an incoming tweet is a reply or not right like they don't know that yeah um they don't know like how these things are stored they don't know that there's like a like probably a pivot table of all of the replies to a given thing right (laughs) Like they don't know any of that stuff, but we're we're thinking that here. Yeah. We're thinking like, oh, if I was designing this app, how would I do it? But they're just like, oh no, I get it. I get why they would do that, and then yep. I'm just going to put a dot in front of it. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, look, a dot. I get why that's there. Um, it, it's such a weird little piece of UX.
0: Definitely, that that is those are those are beautiful things, organic, and that whole concept. Um, reminds me of GitHub's, uh, PR searching. When you're like in the pull request tab or issues tab, tell me
1: about it. You've been deep in the GitHub UI recently.
0: Yeah, I mean, not this, this You've isn't been, any deeper than okay. this example is no, yeah. Um, I, right. I, I have established GitHub as like the app that writes apps the way I want to write apps, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're popular enough that I can go, hey, look, these guys did it. And so you can't tell me that I can't do it. Um, yeah. But they're, when you're searching, for a pull request, there's that search box and it's already filled in with like, I forget the words, but it's like PR, you know, PR colon, uh, active or something, which is like search all the PRs that are active and yeah. you can remove that. And then you'll be searching all the issues and pull requests. So those two tabs are like the same thing. They just autofill that field a little differently and Twitter expose or sorry, GitHub exposes it to the user so that you see that and you go, if you want to mess with it, you can, Like sometimes I do, if I, if I'm really into searching a PR, like I see that, oh, the tools are right here and like, it's all transparent to me through this simple text field and these UI elements that aid with the searching, they're just manipulating the text field. They're not executing all these steps. They're not, nobody had to sit there and like describe explicitly all these different endpoints for different filtering features and all that stuff. It's a text field. And there's probably a parser somewhere that parses it and then does that work, you know. But it, it's right. this beautiful, like, way of bringing the user, the UI, and the system all together at once transparently. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. No. It's beautiful. I'm about it. Yeah. I'm about it. So beautiful. Uh, um, quick, quick tangent before your topic topic. Yeah. Um, The engineer thing. Yeah, yeah, Daniel yeah. Has opinions yep. of being an engineer. So,
0: Daniel, are you an engineer?
1: I listened to a very good talk, so I had to get in my car. I had to drive to Black Mountain, North Carolina, which is east of here. 20 minutes.
0: How do people from um, North Carolina say Black Mountain? Black Mountain. Okay.
1: Um, so I had to get in my because I there was some Craigslist chairs I had to buy. Um, and they lived in Black Mountain, and I had to go get them. Okay. So on my way out there, I was listening to back-to-back keynotes by alan Kay. um at uh different open source conferences who's alan Kay? he uh he was a sort of a seminal person in computing um and he invented a lot of things including laptops uh but also including uh object-oriented programming okay um And he calls it OOP. He never says OOP. He (laughs) always says OOP, which is cool. And I think we should do more. Um, But anyway, I started, I don't know. It was like a YouTube recommendation the other day. It's not a
0: problem. It is a problem.
1: It was a YouTube recommendation the other day. And so I, I watched one and then I like started watching more. And at this point, I'm three or four Alan Kay keynotes deep. Cool, and it's great because like most of them are given in the '90s, um, some in the 2000s. One I saw was in 2012. He's he's an older man now. Okay, um, but he talks about these languages that don't exist anymore and why one was better than the other right like yeah he's talking about there was a there's a language called scratchpad uh there was a language called small talk that he created oh um small talk's the one that
0: you hear about and all the like uncle bob and like all those guys like the gang of four like they were all into small talk yeah that's been on my to do to buy like
1: there's a small talk book that that people still rave about that but small talk isn't open source okay you have to buy small talk okay This is the thing. This is, I think, the death of small talk. He talks about it at one point. But anyway, he has a whole section in the middle of this one talk. And you can tell he's kind of like a polymath. uh, What's a polymath? A person who's, like, good at many things. Okay. You know? Like, for example, at some point, uh, he's talking about a pipe organist. A pipe organist that he knows who played this organ and he's like and this person's favorite organist is also the favorite organist of many of us pipe organists. I'm like, "Oh, I guess you're a pipe organist as well as being like a very famous software developer." You know, it's just he and he know he talks about philosophy, he knows philosophy, cool. he talks about history and he you know, he's just one of these guys who just seems like Yeah. back when computer people were also kind of academics.
0: Right. You know,
1: he, he's got that kind of vibe of being like a computer academic. Nice. Um, but anyway, he was talking about uh, computer, the words computer science and software engineering. And he was like, it's interesting because the people who want computer science to be a science, when you ask them why it's a science, they explain it to you in terms of engineering hmm. right And really it seems like they believe it's engineering but they believe that being engineering is science. Um, and then but when you look at the engineering side of it, like there in real engineering, he was talking about bridges and he's like these are all the bridges that were built. these are the two that failed, right? Is like our engineering is not like real engineering because in real engineering, there's a way to do things and you do them that way mm. or people die and you never work again. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the reason it's engineering is because you have to go to school for a long time yeah. to know all of the right ways to do things and right. to know how to know which right way to apply in a certain situation. Yeah so as to never kill anyone yeah. because it turned and he's like but old engineering used to be just like software engineering is now where it was just the wild west and people were sticking up bridges you know yeah but it turns out that people get very angry when their family dies because your bridge collapsed (laughs) and so people got good real quick because the consequences were dire um and he's basically talking about like software engineering hasn't yet earned the term engineering because hmm. we don't really engineer. We like try it and see how it works. Right. And his his basic premise is that the reason that it's not engineering is that we the languages we have are not good for engineering, uh, which is a super interesting question. And They're too freeform. Hearing him? Hearing him talk, so he does talk a little bit about some things I'm familiar with. Like I'm not a guy who really understands language differences that well. Yeah. You know? Like I get like what functional programming is. I get what object-oriented programming is. Yeah. I get like how a language could lend itself better to one or the other or like one might not have classes and therefore it can't really be object-oriented. Yeah. I also get static and dynamic typing. Uh and then I you know i get like that there's just like some languages that have like different default libraries yeah right those are the things that i can understand being different between languages and then like threading and stuff like that right right there are other things too in languages that can be different and i don't know what those are but like hearing like garbage him... collection
0: thread safety all those like
1: yeah i guess garbage collection as well although i normally think of that as part of like a standard library yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, hearing him talk about these language differences between languages I've never heard of and know nothing about yeah. is like great background noise in my head because it makes me think harder about like – it's just like hearing, hearing from outside of our bubble yeah. just some really, really smart programmer talking – and the names of these languages may as well be, like, variables yep. to me, right? It's like, he may as well be saying X and Y instead of small talk and scratch yeah. or whatever, right? Right. Or scratch pad or something. Uh, but he, because to me, I'm, like, subbing in languages I know about and patterns I know about into the things he's saying to see if they apply. Yeah. You know, and it's it's such an interesting pattern. But anyway, I've decided that we, uh, well, maybe someone has earned the term software engineer, but it's not me. I'm just a programmer. Nice. Thank you, Alan Kay. I dig it. Um, you should listen to some of these YouTube talks. They're they're interesting. Definitely.
0: Uncle Bob sort of introduced me to the concept of, uh, well, pr- pretty much what you're talking about, where, you know, he's like, we're in our infancy there's going to be standards. There's going to be there's going to be uh, certifications, you know. Like we're so immature, and the scale of um, you know trades, I guess, or practices, engineering, whatever. Um, yeah, and so he he's he's the first person that sort of got my wheels spinning. Like, oh yeah. So I've talked about this before. My brother's an HVAC engineer, uh, yeah. an HVAC technician, not an engineer. Yep. Um, and I guess it's it, like we're we're probably more along the line. It's weird because he's not. D- interesting like he's not designing the circuit board for a heating unit he's also not like designing or configuring that unit itself but he might like cut a gaping hole in the side of this this hunk of metal and put yeah. the piece of duct you know like it's it's extensible for more than consumers um and then he has to run duct work in fancy ways and it's different every single time um he actually works on boilers so if anybody's if he was listening right now he'd be like, dude i don't do residential heating anymore but <laughs>
1: but you know the idea what's is your there. brother's name brock 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 yeah sorry brock sorry to do it to you Brock.
0: he's a big burly man with a giant beard and i'm a skinny uh, well, his boy name's brock. A how
1: could it not be less big beard
0: i know yeah it's true
1: brock is such a burly name yeah
0: he's not a bird like he's very like sweet and tender and and like,
1: yeah. Uh, well, Brock is a sweet, burly name. Yeah.
0: Right. He's a sweet, burly. Like, <laughs> he's one of those like big lumberjack guys with rosy cheeks type guy. Uh huh. Um, so yeah. Right. Like so, just seeing like he's so he's a journeyman. So he's uh, went through an apprenticeship of like six years or seven years or something. So he went to yep. trade. He went to BOCES or whatever. Like half high school, half trade school for the last two years of high school, um, and then he went into work and was an apprentice for six years, and now he's a journeyman. And just hearing him talk, I'm like, dude, good luck finding, like, if you put out there, if you go to a conference and say, like, everybody raise your hand who's been in the industry for more than seven years. (laughs) And like, and then after they raise their hands, say like, okay, now which of you is not uh, a senior developer or is not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like the amount of time and work. like he works eight to 10 hours a day for eight years to become known as not a lead or a, you know, a journeyman, just like someone who yeah, yeah, yeah. can do the job well, you know?
1: Yep. And has, has uh duct work will travel. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. Where us, like you can, you know, you go to a code school a couple of years later, you're let's say you go to a code school or whatever. You teach <sighs> yourself two years later, you're on a team three years later, you're a senior dev, you know, because yep. you're good and you're good with people <laughs> and you're good with clients and you try really hard and you know so
1: this um the reason that these sort of titles exist of like apprentice and journeyman and all this stuff is like a direct result of unions um i don't know that that's 100 true because like a lot of them existed before right but the reason they still exist now is because of unions because those have been ingrained into the way that unions are organized. Right. And like, yeah, when unions are like negotiating for pay uh, or negotiating wages, like they, they do that by like seniority. Right. And so the concept of seniority is like super important in unions. Um, And the, To have that sort of front-facing, like, business-facing confidence to be able to, like, to move people around economically as, like, a a unit, an exchangeable unit, you have to be able to say, like, this person's at least this good. Yeah, right. You know? And uh, because in... uh, because in software, all we do is just directly negotiate with our bosses and right. say, come on, I- I'm this good, right? Yeah, I'd
0: swear. <laughs> and it's yeah. such a subjective term, you don't even know yourself, and it's totally Yeah, yeah nebulous. it's totally
1: subjective, and it feels like people just get senior dev one place, and then they're like, oh, I'm yeah. senior dev now, and then they just bounce around being senior dev and being senior dev. You
0: and I both were senior devs and hired people and all that stuff yep. before coming to Titan where we were um, not like senior janitors. devs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> janitorial assistants, yeah. apprentices, sorry. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, right. That it's so, it's just a, a reminder that, yeah, it is the Wild Wild West. Everything means nothing and everything. It's like so malleable. I love that because that's I suits like my too. personality.
1: I like it too. I just don't like when people in the midst of it being the Wild Wild West pretend it isn't.
0: Yep exactly right yeah if you take it too seriously and uh so i don't have any opinions on the word software engineer i don't i don't really use it because i just say i'm a program i don't say i'm a coder because i think that sounds weird and annoying um yeah. But i say because like people oh you're a coder like you go to a coffee shop and i, I don't know i don't know it's i just don't like that word i do go to i a just say I shop. a programmer yeah same thing
1: hey hey do you go to a coffee shop these days no why not
0: Um, mostly my neck and my, and the amount of effort er it takes me to,
1: got a lot of ergo going on. Yeah. But
0: yeah, I don't know. I, I guess mostly because, um, for no good reason when I do, I'm like, Ooh, I should do this more often. I'm so productive. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, usually when Max texts me that he's at a local coffee Mm -hmm. shop, I'll go find him. Max. Max
1: yeah Does, has max heard our episodes featuring max and his no. max i tell him every once in a while on continuing to be max yep i'll be All like
0: right. hey we, i'll like see it like I, i'll probably see him today and i'll be like hey yeah we talked about you today and i'll be like oh cool <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he doesn't listen or anything
1: that's great <laughs> that's that's very enlightened of him
0: yep yeah he doesn't really care um so what's your topic topic right uh topic so here's kind of an out there one it's one of those ones where i like i have a thought and i want to develop the thought and i feel like i just can't do it very well on my own so i'm like i'll bring it up to daniel and happy to help and i hope something comes of it um that let me just say that it's really nice it's really nice to have you here decol it's nice to have you to talk to
1: i'm glad to be an asset
0: because you when i throw things at you I generally, know I, I shouldn't be verbalizing this before expecting this of you, but I generally know that I'm going to get like but something back, it. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'll get something that I wouldn't have been able to come up with on my own back, which I always mm. love. Okay. Yeah. So here's the deal. This, yep. this came to me like probably a year ago. I'm sitting on the toilet. Okay. Mm. And I flush the toilet. And the toilet keeps mm. flushing. Yep. Like it keeps going. It's like So I take open the top and yep. the thing the float is uh is just stuck. Stuck. So mm-hmm. I just tap the float down, it stops flushing, and it fills up the tank. Yep. And then the float comes back up and it stops filling up the tank. Right. So imagine this. Imagine this scenario. I'm a toilet designer. And I, when I so I, I I design a toilet where you flush it and the water goes down. Um, yes. Then I get to the feature. I'm in the sprint meeting, sprint planning, and they're like, "Okay, we actually we thought the MVP was just to flush, but we need to fill it back up because the users can't use it a second time." And so we go, "Okay, all right, I need to fill it back up." So we'll I'll just turn on the thing that makes the water go in, but eventually the water. Uh, we'll just start overflowing. So I, I give, I sent it to, I send it to QA to check it out. And they're like, uh, buddy, the water's just pouring out. Have you tested it in real life? And I'll be like, oh no. Okay. So I need to stop the flow of water when it reaches the top. All right. So let's say that it's a uh, 10 gallon tank and I need to stop the flow of water in tank. Okay. I'm going to need a water flow measurer so that I'm measuring only 10 gallons going into the tank and then cutting it off Uh after i've put 10 gallons out in the tank okay great so i ship it and and it's it's working great it's 10 gallons but then one user uh changes the tank or has different hardware in the tank or um or they didn't do a complete flush like for some reason the flush didn't complete because the toilet got clogged let's say
1: or like they move it to canada and they have higher water pressure there or whatever Sure right, the
0: pressure sensor yeah right isn't reliable. so let's say that they that the person who uses I ship it to the users and one guy in uh, North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, he you know does a doozy and uh, locks it halfway right. and the tank never fully <laughs> never fully depletes is halfway but uh-huh. now the mechanism to fill it up kicks in and it uh-huh. fills 10 gallons and now five gallons pour out of his tank all over his floor. Right. Uh So a bad day just got worse for this guy. Yep. Okay. So then he calls into customer service and we go, oh, okay, there's this. (laughs) I would say a
1: great day just got bad, but okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so then, all right. So we go, oh, we got to fix this. We got to fix this. People are, you know, running this issue. Okay. Well, we'll set up a sensor, uh, that the user can attach to the floor that if it senses water on the floor, it blocks the flow of water okay you see where i'm going we could do this all day yep Where like you can find ways to treat the symptoms. it's interesting
1: if you have a water sensor you could just put that high up in the tank instead of on the floor so (laughs) you could prevent the floor problem true but
0: in michigan the water uh isn't isn't as good and it doesn't actually register as water right (laughs) until it's on the floor it registers as toxic waste (laughs) so right so um all right so the point yes. being that the point being instead of all of this measuring and condition floaty thing in there what if we put a floaty thing that tests the most real life variable you know that it, it goes it's a just cuts right to the source and is like all i want to know is if the water is at this level or not and this is a way to surefire no. And I'll just fire off water until it's there. And somebody goes in the sprint meeting, they're like, yeah, that's all well and good. But what if somebody has a leak in their thing and the water never gets up to that level and the float never disengages and then you waste all this water and your user's water bills go way up? You know, Ah, I'm kind of taking this off the rails with more hypotheticals. But the point is, is that I think it's beautiful the way a toilet's designed. And I think this applies to software. I know it applies to software. And I think it applies to systems in general. And I'm sure people who know systems thinking are going, oh, yeah, this is that. But uh, so imagine this scenario. I think this is the same as uh, let me pull up Caleb's notes here. Um, All right. Well, here's here's an example. I'm using Prism right now for highlighting. Prism is a JavaScript library that highlights syntax syntax on your documentation. Yeah. So I'm writing documentation and I'm importing Prism to do that. There's a plugin for Prism called Line Highlight that I can specify the line in the code block that I want highlighted if I'm emphasizing a certain line. Sure. So I do this. I say I want the second one highlighted. So I say data line two. And then I render it, and it's halfway off the line. It's like the offset's not right. So I source dive the plugin, and the plugin looks at the line height and then multiplies it by the amount of rows and then adds a margin top to the line that it puts over it. So the point is is it's it measures something and it estimates Yep. It's not, it's not anchored to the real life thing. If it yep. were, it would be, it would be right. Every time there would be right. no offset issues. It's yep. because something is approximating something or calculating something right. even accurately that things go awry. And I, and I sure. bet there's a hundred other examples of this. Um, can I throw one more at you? Hit me. Here's another one in Livewire. So I have loading a loading directive wire colon loading. When you click a button, I want a I want you to be able to to have a loading wheel, like a span tag, that's like a loading mm-hmm. wheel or something, or an i tag, and I want mm-hmm. you to just type wire loading on it. And then if the component's loading, it's showing. If it's not, it's not showing. Okay, good enough. So yep. when I first crawl the page, so that, here's here's option A. Option A is when you click a button do a query selector for this wire loading thing, find all the ones that exist and then execute the loading sequence, right? Sure. Here's another way to do it. In the beginning of the of the load, I crawl all the comp- all the elements on the page. I find ones with wire loading. I add them to an array called loading Ls. And then when you click the button, I go to that array and I loop through the loading Ls and I t- and I make them load. But let's say somebody has another javascript library that adds a new loading L after it's rendered or removes a loading L and now the now LiveWire is referencing a DOM element that doesn't exist. Is this making sense? Yep. So the toilet bowl uh, float way is doing a query selector every time to get the actual elements that are on the page that need to be toggled for loading. Mm-hmm. The ridiculous way is building up an array and managing that array of elements that are the loading elements you know
1: i had one of these recently oh give it to me so this was a, a pairing session i had yesterday or the day before with uh centoria and we were working on basically in our app so there's a, a list of things coming back from an api uh i forget what our metaphor for these things was before but uh restaurants say right okay You've got a list of restaurants coming back from an API in the app, and this is like a restaurant browsing app, you know? Yep. And uh what we we have the ability for a user to favorite a restaurant. Yep. And to add it to their favorites. Okay. Um and those favorites are just stored locally on device. Uh so our thing was we don't want the favorites to get out of date right so say the name of the restaurant changes if we store the whole favorites object yeah and that's what we're using to render the favorites page uh, okay we won't show the new name of the restaurant because we would have an out-of-date name yeah stored in local right storage. right 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 so my solution and i will take the blame for this was let's just store ids yeah locally and then look them up on the server when we do it yeah um so the process of adding a favorite, removing a favorite, clearing the favorites, l- hydrating the favorites from the server, there's like a I end up making a favorites provider <laughs> locally that does it all, right? Yeah. There's it's like a whole thing. Um and I got this idea in my head that I couldn't trust local storage because i messed up at one point and couldn't trust local storage okay um and so i got this idea in my head that i couldn't trust local storage so i had to at the end of this process of like storing something or deleting something i had to get the results back from local storage and then set those to the state okay right so it was like say i have like a list of like three things in local storage okay right I want to add a fourth yeah right so i save the fourth thing to local storage and then i take the contents of local storage and write those back to state okay and that way i know that the thing that i set is in there and like the thing is a, they're the same okay this is a terrible idea because you're um,
0: manually keeping parity between the state and the local storage
1: because i'm using the local storage as my source of truth yeah and using my state as a backup of local storage. Gotcha. Right. When in fact, I should have been using my state as a source of truth. Right. And using local storage as a backup of that. And just saving it to local storage and believing that it would get saved. Right. And not checking. Yes. And not depending on that as the source of truth. So I ended up in this situation where every time I had to interact with favorites, I had this whole loop to go through of like, save it here, save it here, hydrate it here, display it here. Yeah, it sounds crazy. And it it was so bad, but it grew up over time. You know, it started as a simple thing (laughs) and it it grew up over time into this weird thing where everything had side effects. It was really messy uh, because of like a bad early assumption about which of the two should be the real source of truth. Um, And... I had this like eureka moment yesterday where i'm like what am i doing what am i doing here like why do i why am i involving the local storage in my business logic at all like this is totally unrelated to the logic of this app like if this app didn't have local storage and i was just getting these favorites from an array as a prop yeah what would i do yeah okay i refactored that way and then i just like changed the way i was dealing with local storage to just be like when you save it save it when you get them get them Yep. that's it you know yeah. no side effects no double checking yeah. no craziness you know right um and it was so clean everything's so clean now but like i made such a mess because there was these edge cases yeah right and like because it built up over time incrementally where it was like you have the one thing and then it reminded me of the floor sensor right where it's like at some point i have to install like a floor moisture sensor (laughs) to check that that like local because it's like storing to local storage is async so now everything's promises yeah you know so now i've got promises getting passed into things as props that are getting checked you know and it's like it's just getting worse and worse and worse Yeah. there's just more Um, and more
0: sensors everywhere
1: yeah and you, you have to you have to you have a sensor to see whether or not the message from the moisture sensor has gotten back to the computer yet. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like when that message does get back to the computer, then fire a message to turn off the water. Um, yeah. So anyway, it was one of those things, but like, so there's one place where I could have definitely avoided pain. And that was early on making the right call about whether state or local storage was the real source of truth. Yeah. Um, the reason I was confused, obviously, was that local storage is persistent. And so it feels more like a source of truth. Yep. But actually the stuff in local storage is just an argument to a function that sets state. Right? So state is the ultimate real source of truth. Okay. Um, and if I had made that call correctly, it wouldn't have gone as far off the rails as it did. Yeah. But after that, I think the only way I could have come to my senses was to watch it go fully off the rails. Yeah,
0: right. You have to let it you know? tell like, you
1: how much of a criminal it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Like, say you started on the toilet with the like water pressure gauge. Yeah. Like how far do you go down that line (laughs) before you're like, what about a balloon in the toilet?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's probably just one of those like experience things that, um, yeah. Like I, I, in general, I mean, I think we would have the same answer. I, I love the concept of listening to your code and I try to always think of it like that, that like, as I'm writing code, Nothing is right or wrong or good or bad. I mean, things are good. Like individual things are good or bad, and the code will tell me how it's how it's bad. I don't have to do a ton of.
1: Do you buy the idea that code wants to be easy?
0: Um, no. I mean, I I guess how how in the sense that um that simple like simple is be- I believe simple is better. I believe simple solutions and simple. Code bases where more things are the same is better um so in that sense and generally that's easier to write if you know that's how you should write it but you don't it's harder to write um but i don't know what what are you saying
1: so i kind of i have this idea and i struggle with this idea because i'm a little bit too eager beaver um okay. but there's this idea that i kind of have that like if it's hard if what i'm doing is hard it's a clear indication that i'm doing it wrong um like none of these problems really should be hard it, this is kind of the idea in my head at least is like none of these problems really should be hard all of this should be easy <laughs> um and so if it's hard like maybe there's the rare edge case where like it's actually hard yeah but most of the time, I think if it's hard, it's because I like b- design something bad or misunderstood oh, yeah. something or yeah. like all of I feel like all of this wants to be easy. And my job as the programmer, it's almost like uh, like channeling or something like my job as the programmer is to let the easy code get into the editor um, and not put too much of my own personality in there to make the code difficult. You know, uh, I my, think that's a fable. You think? So? No, I, I think it probably is. Right. But like, I think it works kind of as a mindset. Right. Because like, that's, it's not really how, like, I don't, I feel like I don't listen to my code in the same way that you're talking about. <laughs> um, But I try and like, stop getting in the way of my code. Like, I feel like my code is like, like, if I just like, step away and let the code write itself, like it will. It'll end up like easy and simple and clear. Hmm. Um, but then there's the other hand where like I'm a little eager beaver, and so sometimes I think something's gonna be really easy, and then I just like go down the road of writing the easy version, and then like because like because I have this fallacy in my head that says like code is naturally easy. Uh, when an easy idea presents itself, I don't question it as much as I should. <laughs> and so then I end up building like the easy version, not thinking of the edge case and then like getting into a situation.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I think I'm a little bit, my problem I think comes more.
1: You're like, I think I'm a little bit smarter than you. No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I think I am. Probably anticipate too many things and err on the side of defensiveness. Um, no, I
1: do too, but I'm I'm saying aspirationally. Aspirationally, my goal is to stop anticipating things. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Let the code flow. Definitely, yeah.
0: It there's people. It appears to me that certain people have a natural ability
1: to find to like anticipate only the right things.
0: Yes, to balance to so we're given a heaping pile of trade-offs. Like that is programming. Like the master programmer is a master of making trade-offs. And it seems to me that certain people have developed a sense to make the right trade-offs faster than other people. Um there's a guy and I read his code and uh, his name is Adam Wathen. If he's listening, oh, that we're guy. not complimenting you,
1: Adam. Please, Please don't, don't take don't this. Be as <laughs> don't be mistaken. Don't get the idea in your head that this is in any way a compliment. Exactly.
0: There's also people who receive so many compliments, and it's so obvious that they're so good that to give them let's, one more let's make would this be. this clear. Let's make this shame. clear for
1: Mr. Wathan right now. Please. Please do. Mr. Waden, we don't admire you exactly. We don't look up to you right <laughs> We certainly would not like any of the success that you've found right And God damn it, I would just hate to be you. Yeah, I mean L- let's let's make it clear nothing no, none of the every episode references to you and the things that you do should be interpreted as any sort of a compliment or uh, global admiration. Do not take those things as such.
0: I'm really glad we finally got
1: that out there. Yeah. We don't like you. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, <laughs> get out of here. Stop listening to our show.
0: And listening. So.
1: No, he probably stopped listening because we talked about laundry so much last episode. Maybe. Who knows?
0: I, I don't care either way, you know? <sighs> so I don't even care. Yeah, no, I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Um, Mr. Wathen appears to be able to do this, and it's probably a facade just like anyone else. Like, if anybody thinks, like, like, oh, Caleb seems like he can, like, I'll tell you it's a facade. So I imagine it's the same for him.
1: Well, actually, it's not really a facade. <laughs> it's not a facade.
0: Let me tell you something about facades. Um. <laughs> so where was I? So I'm working on the docs for LiveWire. This is a perfect example of why me and i believe the average developer are masochists we we hurt ourselves intentionally over and over but it's also i'll say that it's it's i'll give us more credit than say that it's very hard so i i uh, wrote get down because right so i needed to, to write docs for liveware so i'm like all right i just need something to parse parse this stuff and highlight the syntax I don't want to get into, so I got to download this PHP package and then I have to download a JavaScript thing and a CSS thing to do all this. And then I go down that rabbit hole and I find that you can just submit Markdown to GitHub and they'll send you back the rendered HTML with the syntax and they provide you CSS for highlighting. So I write git down. It's a package. If you're interested, go check it out. And it makes this process really simple. And I do that and everything's great. But then I'm doing a user test with someone and they're like, you know, it'd be really helpful if you added if you want, if you had warning, uh, warning boxes and info boxes, tips in your docs, and if when you're referencing a LiveWire component, if the class and the view kind of were shoved together in one little code snippet with a different background for the view, and if you labeled the file names in the top right of the thing, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so true, this would really push it to the next level. So how do mm-hmm. I do this? So I start looking at, you know, basically the long story short of that part of the story is that I just hacked GitHub... To such a ridiculous degree. Like, I hacked this together such that, like, I had divs. I couldn't use classes. So, I was finding random attributes that people don't normally use that I can use in CSS selectors. (laughs) So, they have, like, title attributes and care. Like, C-H-A-R is an attribute that GitHub doesn't sanitize. Hmm. So, all my selectors are for care. Anyway, it gets crazy. It gets totally crazy. But I accomplished what I set out to do. Then um what was my what was the impetus for switching oh i needed nested nested documentation where like the routes on the left are nested and i'm like oh well i wrote it as just one all right so i i end up writing i try to write the nested thing i get a little bit into it i'm like you know what titan has the jigsaw docs thing it's a starter template and you're just up and running and i didn't want to use jigsaw because i wanted actual live Laravel, not static files And i'm like mm-hmm. you know what let's just do it this is gonna be so much easier oh by the way so Tailwind 1.0 comes out a little bit before it came out. I'm like, oh well, I need to get on Tailwind 1.0. Start this off right. So I switched to Tailwind 1.0. Right. So I have this template. This
1: sounds like me. This sounds like me with my house. This is what my, this is what my relationship to my home is I'm like. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got like I got 50. <laughs> and things all I the priorities
0: do. are way off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Way <laughs> off. So I upgrade to Tailwind one. I learn how to do that, and it's all set up, and we're good to go. So then I, I'm like, I forget about that. And I'm like, I'm going to switch over to the jigsaw thing. Right. So I, I wipe it all. I get jigsaw set up with the docs template and then I pull in my stuff and I go, oh crap. One, uh, it's tailwind is the old tailwind. Are you giving me the one symbol? Yes. <laughs> okay. I thought you're saying, hold on. One it's using the old tailwind. Oh my gosh. Do I rewrite all the stuff I already wrote to the old tailwind or do I upgrade jigsaw? to the new tailwind all right let's do that mm-hmm. we'll upgrade jigsaw new tail four hours later or three two hours later, right so there's all these little problems that i encounter in the did process you PR it back no i thought about it but it's too complicated i i just did broad strokes to do it right uh-huh. you have to there's uh, fortunately adam makes the upgrade guide really nice so like bg gray lighter he'll tell you what number it should be approximately uh-huh. but uh-huh. you have to look up those tables and then you have to do find and replace. And if you find and replace BG gray light, right, with BG gray 300, let's say, you've now also replaced BG gray lighter with BG gray 400 ER. <laughs> so oh, like that's so annoying. enter all the crazy. So you, have to th- do the,
1: you have to do them in order from like lightest, lighter, light. Yes, light.
0: exactly. And I did that in order on gray because it starts gray darkest down to gray lightest. So gray worked, but then light got botched. This is this is uh, the, the everyday average life of any developer ever, and yep. so I convert to Tailwind. So then I need syntax highlighting because now I'm not using Git Down. Oh, I'm like, all right, well, forget that. I'm just gonna actually use Git Down. So I learn how to swap out Jigsaw's parser with Git Down, and I try two different blog posts and I get down into the weeds. Okay, I do that, and I get that all done. But Git Down is not working nicely. With GitHub, for some reason, it mostly worked, but something didn't work. So I'm like, I'm going to go back to HighlightJS. So I pull in Highlight JS. I do it. This, okay. This story goes on and on and on. I'll, I'll cut it. I'll save you the pain. Um, no, I think it's beautiful. Well, so I switched to PrismJS. I forget why. <laughs> and now I need a theme. And I need Pale Night, the theme I had before. So I have to find a Prism theme generator and copy all the color codes for my editor into the Prism theme generator to generate the CSS file. So I get the CSS Right, file. like you do. Right. And turns out that the line highlight offset was broken because the theme generator added a margin to line highlight. So, Ugh. like, I, I, I'm just giving you, like, 10% of the pain. So then I'm like, all right, Adam uses Jigsaw and Tailwind. So I go to Tailwind, and I see what Adam does. And he's using Jigsaw, and he makes components for his code blocks instead of using native code. Oh, parse down is the PHP processor for markdown. Yes. Parsedown extra is the PHP processor for Markdown extra. Markdown okay. extra is a way of... It's extra syntax in Markdown that you could do a code block, but add a class to the pre-tag that that code block generates. Right? Okay. That syntax is not supported in Parsedown. And it doesn't tell you that anywhere. You have to figure that out through the school of hard knocks. And that's that was a huge hurdle for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this in in GitHub Markdown either. So... I end up doing what Adam does. He probably encountered a bunch of these problems himself, and he used blade components for his code blocks. But if you then make your markdown files in jigsaw.blade.md, then you can't pass in... If you have documentation that uses blade directives, it will interpret them as blade. So you have to wrap all of them in verbatim tags, verbatim blade tags. And now I have that extra cruft in there, and I have these components... And the list goes on and on and on and on ad infinitum. But I look at things that I don't know if Adam arrived at these decisions right away. So I'm just speculating, but I imagine he I'll say that I'm, I wouldn't have even come up with the components thing if it weren't for him. No doubt. And that mm. was sort of the silver bullet that gave me like the tools to accomplish what I needed a, to a do. road to redemption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I wouldn't even know if I would have came up with that on my own, but he seems to be a person who makes the right trade-off sooner. And I seem to be someone who, like, I think I develop that skill over time. And every time I talk yeah. about it or reflect on it like this, I'll get better and better and better. But in the moment, you're just drawn to the problem. You just want to solve the problem. And you, because of that, you hurt yourself because you don't decide to not solve the problem and find a different route, you know?
1: When I was Monologue 16. Monologue over. Okay. When I was 16. Uh I was arrested by the police in Japan for stealing candy from a grocery store. Um and this was like probably 3 weeks after I had been arrested by the police for stealing <laughs> a Jack Johnson CD from a music store. You were store.
0: 16 and got arrested for stealing candy. Yeah, <laughs> That's really I know. <laughs> You should have, like, lifted, uh, like, rims or something. So many better things to lift. Something of value.
1: (laughs) So anyway, my dad comes to pick me up from the police station. uh, And he's understandably mad, but also, like, incredibly confused. (laughs) Like, what like what you just got arrested for stealing something and then like now you're stealing something totally worthless (laughs) and getting arrested again. Like, what are you doing? Like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Um, and I forget exactly how he put it, but it was like, I guess you're just the type of person who needs to learn by making the mistake Instead of hearing from someone else about the mistake. And I was, you know, in a mode of not listening to anything he was saying in that particular moment. Um, Like I was not there for uh, constructive criticism in that particular moment. But (laughs) as I continued about my life, I found that to be incredibly true. That I am a person who needs to, who can only really learn by making the mistake. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, like I've accumulated enough mistakes now, where you're a genius. And I, continue, I continue to accumulate them. That like I don't have to make. I don't know. I learn a lot of lessons. You know. Yeah. Um, and I, I have like a a backlog of lessons I've learned, but. There are these people, and I don't really understand them, uh, who are able to, like, see that something will be bad or and then just not experience it, you know? And I'm the type of person who only cannot experience something once I know that it was bad when I did experience it, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so... When we're talking about this, like all I hear is like it sounds like Adam like doesn't have to learn through pain sounds like the ty- he's the type of person who could just like sit and be like, well, it's, it's all that <laughs> hey that's that seems like a real bad bad idea there eh? I'm just gonna not do that one, <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong maybe he
0: is I would love pain. to know his process a little bit better. Maybe he's just
1: faster at learning through pain. Right. and Maybe maybe that's true. Or maybe his threshold for pain extends to simply the idea of doing something. (laughs) I think... Maybe just thinking about doing it that way hurts him enough to learn the lesson.
0: Like with LiveWire, I think there's a handful of decisions that I made that are pretty good. I started off with some bad ones for sure. But what I've sort of discovered is the secret serum for me is tons of time to just think about something over time, like randomly, yeah, like put it aside. And I just think about the problem all the time, like constantly. And in downtime, it just kind of crops up and I sit with it and I sort of like turn the diamond, you know, and see the different facets. And then I put it down. And then when I pick it back up again, I see more things. And usually that culminates in something much better than if I was mindlessly, Uh, Like, problems are like a vacuum. You want to fill them. And if you just keep working and don't think, then you will keep following the vacuum of problems and you'll dig yourself into trenches that you could have completely avoided. So I wonder how often he stops and considers different options or, um, you know, because that could be a big difference between someone who... Appears to be way ahead of the game um, in terms of those trade offs. If they, when they encounter them, they sit down and stop and force themselves to stop the problem solving spree and mm-hmm. think, you know, and be thoughtful about like
1: their way forward. Yeah. You know? co- coming, coming back to something where you're already in the, a trench.
0: It's the is, best thing to
1: do for that thing. Yeah. It's so good. Um, and I, here's my theory about why, at least for myself, I come back and I remember how frustrated I was last night when I got finished. Yeah. Right. And it's a new day. It's a fresh day. I've got a cup of coffee and I'm like, all right, I have two options here. One, to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of my intolerable situation. Or two, to figure out a different way to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, I just like am so unwilling to like on a fresh day with eight hours left in the day. Yeah. To get to just, into to climb back to into climb the back into, into the digging. pit. Yeah. And I'm like, there's nothing you you couldn't pay me enough to get back in that trench. So it's true. It's here in the morning i'm gonna have to figure out how to not get into that trench yep and then like i've had distance from it and i'm a little fresh-faced and i can see my mistakes and whatever and i'm totally able to get over the f- trench the issue is like it's so hard to know when you've started digging yeah you, you know? don't know like, right
0: because you're always digging your job is to dig that's yeah, your you're job a <laughs> you're a whole digger yeah so the question Uh, is you've read holes right you don't know if you're digging the wrong hole until you stumble on i don't know the bodies the body (laughs) yeah the the indian burial ground
1: (laughs) Uh, oh man i really shouldn't
0: have dug myself this deep i shouldn't have dug here i wish i would have known that there's an indian burial ground below where i'm digging when i started digging that is such a good metaphor for programming. Programmers are diggers.
1: You ever uh, you ever see those like call before you dig signs? Yeah. Uh, there was a radio show that had like a podcast when I was a kid and I would listen to it because it was kind of my connection to like American culture because <laughs> um, I grew up in Japan. And so it was just like this stupid morning radio show from Philly. Yeah. Um, And it was just, like, kind of a morning zoo type of a situation. Uh, Definitely, like, competing with Stern type of a a situation. Anyway, there was this joke this one guy made on there where he would just say, he saw a call before you dig sign, and he read it as, like, call before, you dig? (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) And so now every time I'd see one of those signs, my entire life, I've just been, like, call before you did (laughs) and no one else is a part of this joke with me it's just me and the signs except you the listener and you caleb but uh (laughs) it's it's a beautiful way to live that's good you know to just walk or like i want more funny ways to read things i'm gonna read a lot please supply them to me (laughs) there's Uh, a
0: this is like a whole like lesson on postmodern literature <laughs> yeah like no this is derrida this is post-structuralism they're like i find there's funny ones if you look up well, i don't know exactly what to look up but when i was sort of exploring postmodernism, i came to literature like there's tons of good examples of like things and all all the things they could mean you know and mm-hmm. i don't know yeah i love that um, hmm.
1: I'm not really a fish fan.
0: Stay off the lawn.
1: Yeah. I'm giving you an example. I don't know. Uh, I'm not really a fish fan, but there was a period where I followed fish around for a summer. Um and in that summer I became familiar with the work of Fish, the the jam band. Yeah. Um and uh, they have this song called Run Like an Antelope. And I think a lot of their songs are designed to be absorbed in certain altered states. um, And their lyrics are not lyrics in the conventional sense. Um, And uh, I think a lot of the times their lyrics are just intentionally confusing. Right? There's nothing that they're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. They're simply putting words together (laughs) in an interesting, kind of confusing way, so that if someone happened to be in the audience in some sort of an altered state, they would be like (laughs) whoa (laughs) and uh, there's this one lyric they have that always stuck with me, run like an antelope out of control and I've always wondered do they mean that you should run like an out of control antelope? Or that you should run in the manner in which all antelope run, <laughs> which is out of control. So is it like run like an antelope, comma out of control? Nice. Or is it like run like an antelope out right. of control? Right, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good example.
1: I've never known and I've always wondered. You
0: you listen to Bony Bear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan, he's top five for uh-huh. me. And mm-hmm. so I top just five, I top just five. top five, top five. <laughs> I just Googled uh, "Bony Ver" and then a random song I just thought of the top of my head. So this was not premeditated, but th- these are the mm. lyrics. I was unafraid. I was a boy. I was a tender age. Malik in the naked knew a lake and drew the lofts for page. Hurdle all the waitings up. No, it wasn't wedded love. Four, minute- four long minutes end and it was over. It'd all be back. And the frost took up the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it keeps going. It's like, you know, I can't make sense of his lyrics ever. Yeah. And maybe get there's... like one or two sentences and just... Mm-hmm. That's not why that's I listen. That's rough. Yeah.
1: that's oh, cool. ah. Beautiful. Well, D. Cole, this has been well, fun. Well, Caleb, this has been a great podcast. Hey, really We've... quick.
0: Um, is it cool if I uh, shout out uh, sponsor, our sponsor today?
1: Yeah, please shout out our sponsor.
0: This episode is sponsored by Caleb Porzio. <laughs> He's a... <laughs> He's a developer in uh, the Greater Buffalo area, um, and he's
1: but, but he's also on the internet, so he could be yeah, anywhere.
0: That's true. So, yeah. So, actually, I'm taking mentoring slash pairing, coaching, code auditing gigs, things. So, I'm working on Livewire, and um, and I also need money. <laughs> so, yep. So, I'm like, yeah, yeah, and I could continue the sabbatical could continue, but I feel it's time for me to generate income. So, but I also don't want to just go into a full-time gig or a serious contracting gig where I'm working all the time. I want to still work on LiveWire. So I put it out there and some people have uh, have uh, taken me up on it. So that's pretty cool. But if you're listening and you want to pair with me like a couple times a week, or if you want to me to like do a code audit on your code base, like basically like I want to do gigs. I want to do like little coding gigs. And if you can use me for something and pay me by the hour um you should hit me up, Caleborzio at gmail.com and uh or Twitter at Caleborzio and we should talk. So sponsorship over. <laughs> Back to the show. Sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. Uh all right, all right. Good stuff. Good stuff, D. Cole. Um I have to meet you, someone for You lunch. know the best time to sell something in a podcast? The end. The very end. <laughs> the last 30 seconds that's the best yes, time it was good great okay d cole friend of mine let's cue the outro music
1: bump bono <laughs> now